1: To have you tuning in tonight? FC Edmonton underway at Clark. Big match against Cavalry FC. No score to report there. Golden Bears football will host Manitoba Friday at seven at foot. We had Golden Bears coach Chris Morris on last night. They're one and one out of the gate. Two close games to get it going. The Winnipeg Rifles visit the Edmonton Huskies in Prairie Junior Football Conference action. That'll be uh, on Saturday. me, on Sunday. At Clark, uh, the Huskies 2-1, one, Rifles 1-2. One the Wildcats are on a bye. 8 nothing. Blue Jays leading Boston. That game is in the bottom of the sixth. Just want to get to the clip. Uh, it is uh, the most newsworthy clip today. Oilers general manager Ken Holland asked, how many preseason games will Connor McDavid play?
2: Either one at most yeah. or very likely zero. Um... You know, we've got uh, three weeks to go, and I'd say, you know, I said somebody here, I mean, we're going to be conservative. I'd rather be safe than sorry. If he's not ready for opening night, he's not ready for opening night. Um, You know, I've been, um, he was obviously in Toronto all all summer. He's got a group of people there that were were working with him on his rehab. Um, Mark Lindsay and Gary Roberts and obviously Jeff Jackson, his agent, there were some other people. i got constant videos one and two videos a week of him skating um, and training and our our training staff our doctors were in communication we had some uh, conference calls early i I took over in may so may and june and then they communicated uh, our our staff with their staff and i think that uh, everything we've heard all along has been positive um you obviously you guys have seen him skate you know, he's involved in, uh, he's scrimmaging and he's uh, doing things three-on-three down low, so I think he's in a great spot, but uh, um, we might as well be conservative and safe.
1: All right, a little bit there from uh, Ken Holland. By the way, you can get his full media availability today on the Oilers page on 630chett.com. He was also asked about Yessi Pouliarvi. you close to a trade? What's going on?
2: I believe there's teams out there that are interested. Um, obviously, I didn't get uh, anything that I felt um, that, that worth, you know, pushing to the final stages and getting a deal done. Um, so, you know, you get into late August and everybody, everything kind of goes quiet. And then now now you've got, everybody's had uh, prospect tournaments all over the league. So it's, it's kind of gone quiet. We'll see. I'm not, uh, I'm not too, um, I'm not going to force something if it's there. Ryan, I'll I'll, I'll explore it. If it's not there, um, I'm prepared to sit.
1: All right. Ken Holland, Oilers general manager today, speaking after the uh, Barry Cates golf tournament at the Country Club. Thanks to the club for hosting us today. That's the annual event uh, for the Oilers media. Fun to take part in that. My team did not win. By the way, I was in uh, Ken Holland's foursome. He is a very good golfer, very good golfer. Our next guest on Inside Sports is a busy man. He's the producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. He's the secondary host for that show. He's the tertiary host for this show. He also delivers you afternoon sportscasts on 630 Ched. He also gets post-game audio from the Edmonton Oilers dressing room and the Edmonton Eskimos dressing room after our broadcast here on 630 Ched. And he's also our sideline reporter for our home games here on 630 Ched. And he has a side gig covering games in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. It's the one and only Brendan Escott. Hey, Brendan.
0: Well, when you put it like that, Reed, I mean, like, where, where do I have time for anything else?
1: I don't know. you got time to be on this show, which is good. You don't even need LinkedIn. You just got me. Hey, you want a resume? Just call Wilkie. I'll give you Escott's resume.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like that we're at the point now where you know that much about what I do on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you are you are a busy, young man, and uh, and we're getting rolling here uh, in into preseason for sure. Uh, did you actually tweet out the Oilers line combinations today?
0: My projected version, absolutely. Is it way too early? You betcha. Is it fun? Uh nah, it depends. It it's... Depends how accurate the fans <laughs> yeah. think you are, because then your your notifications blow up and things can get ugly. But so far, so good.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a form of fun. I don't know if it's the most fun thing I can think to do, but it's 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 a form of fun. You you know you left Colby Cave off. He's going to be on the NHL roster.
0: He's going to be on Bakersfield's roster, um, probably in a depth role. I love him. I love what he brings. But they made so many acquisitions down the middle in the in the off season in terms of guys like Riley Sheehan, who I should. See in that third line center role, and and all indications are you that Gaetan Haas might make a push for either the third or fourth line center role. So that leaves Cave as an odd man out.
1: I can't see them sending Cave to the minors though, and leaving Gambardella up. I think they would leave Cave up as the thirteenth or fourteenth if it came that came to that, and Gambardella would play in the minors. Cause didn't you have Gambardella as the fourteenth forward?
0: I do. And the reason for that is because he's a year older than Colby Cave, and I think they're going to be more focused on on maybe seasoning the younger guys a little bit more. And to that end, I think Gambardella is is, a similar player. He's kind of a spark plug out there. I think he brings a little bit more speed than Colby Cave does and and, uh, might factor in on the penalty kill as well. So for that reason, Gambardella made my projected roster and Cave did not.
1: All right. Well, uh, you're you're a brave man for putting that out there. Before I, I did have a caller today asking me if I thought the Oilers were going to make the playoffs. Usually, I hold off on those predictions till the start of the season. But uh, that's, that's okay. We're starting to talk a lot about hockey with training camp starting tomorrow. Uh, what, what did you think of the Hall and clip on McDavid?
0: It still seems like they are being about as cautious as possible, but it also seems to me like if there's a chance he's going to play in the preseason, then there's a better chance he's going to play on opening night. So I found it encouraging.
1: Well, I think they'd like to have him for opening night. They they don't want anything to go wrong in the preseason. I, I think they want to be... I, I don't think this is coming down to his mobility, agility, flexibility, speed, anything like that. I, I think it just comes down to... How does the knee hold up when there's contact, when he's jostled, when he might get a little bit of a leg-on-leg or knee-on-knee bump? Can it hold up to that? Because just seeing him skate, and I I realize it's non-contact, friendly, friendly fire-type drills with your teammates, but you can still see the cutting in, the edges, the the burst. That all seems normal to me. I, I think it's just about withstanding contact.
0: Oh, for sure. And the other aspect to this is they've been pretty tightly adhering to the plan that they laid out when this injury first happened. So if there's a timeline that extends past opening night and they still intend to stick to that like they had from day one, then we might not see them. But you're right, and and yourself and I've heard other uh, Oilers Um, You know, or Edmonton media members saying the exact same thing. He looks as explosive, if not more explosive, than he did before the injury. And for the rest of the league, that could be a scary thing. But I know the Oilers fans don't want to hear the P word, but if he has to miss the first week of the season for his well-being, be patient with it because you don't want him going down longer term. And that goes without saying.
1: Well, no, and clearly they've left that door open. I, I, I mean, I was I was wondering as we came into this week with players getting back skating and, and McDavid talked and Tippett talked and, and Holland talked, I wondered if somebody was just going to say opening day is fine. It's just a matter of how many preseason games we get into. But, but they're not saying that. And, and I do think they're being honest. I do think there is a chance... Uh, he doesn't play for the start of the preseason. They, they, you're right. They just don't want one or two games um, missed turning into uh, seven, eight or nine. If, if something bad happens, that's going to be a storyline to watch. We'll be obviously asking questions to the extent that they'll probably be sick of answering them about Connor McDavid, but he is, he is the marquee story, but the, but the battle is, and I was talking about this earlier, the the preseason games actually have meaning for those those depth guys. And you mentioned some of the players and Archibald. I'd throw Benson and Marodi in there. I think Marodi, now Marodi's a little banged up, by the way. He got a little... He played yesterday, but he wasn't 100%. Uh, I, I still think Benson is the best of the Oilers' rookies team uh, that has a chance to make the opening day roster. I, I don't think Bouchard will, even if he shows well, just because they want him to round out his game a little bit more in the minors. But he's a defenseman. Those Those depth guys... They're going to get, I think, a lot of ice time in the preseason, and that's when they're going to get the chance to sort themselves out.
0: No, exactly, Reed. And I think it, just looking at this right now, what I had projected—basically, anybody in the bottom six—and then you factor in a guy like a Josh Archibald or a Kobe Cave or a Gambardella. Right now, that could be a complete shuffle up. That's that's pulling that's pulling names out of a hat as we look at it right now. So there is—I agree. There's a lot to be settled here in camp, and. Um, I was talking to Bob when I was hosting the show today, and he said there was a lot of rookies in those rookie games that had an opportunity to step up and show something, didn't necessarily seize that. And unfortunately, Tyler Benson was one of the names that he mentioned. But I think that reigns true for the main roster as well when you look at guys like Gramlin and Haas and Gagne and Sheehan, for example.
1: I'm going to say this about Benson, because the, the sometimes you hear this comment about a player where... Or or a player will come up from the minors and he'll say, I I actually was more effective in the NHL because I was playing with more creative players. And I wonder if Benson's ability to see the ice might just work better with more experienced and more creative offensive players. I I really felt in Red Deer a couple of times, he he actually caught teammates by surprise with his passes because he saw a lane that they didn't, or he was able to get the puck through the lane when he didn't think he could. So that's why I'm still curious about him, if he gets, you know, maybe he gets a game on Nuge's wing or, or maybe gets a game with, with Dreisaitl. Who knows if McDavid's not playing. He's, he's the one guy where I wonder if he could potentially look better with NHL players than he did with, the, with AHL players and junior players in the rookie games.
0: I don't disagree with that at all. I think if that's going to be a long-term thing, though, the big question mark, especially given his lengthy injury history, is is he going to be able to handle the minutes? at the NHL level of a top six guy, and especially, I mean, I think it would be lofty to see him on a line with McDavid and Drysdale at any point. But supposing he gets there, you've got to be able to play, you know, 20, 22 minutes a night. And, and for a guy who hasn't done that before at an NHL pace, that would be a call order. So given that his game plays more to the top six than it does to the bottom, that's why I've left him off of my early projection.
1: Oilers now producer Brendan Escott joining us tonight on Inside Sports at seven seventeen. 17. Uh, tell us, I, I know you're heavily involved in the AJHL, uh, a league I used to cover when I lived in uh, Lloyd Minster and I still enjoy keeping an eye on. Is, are they already into the regular season or not quite?
0: Well, fire things up on Friday, I believe, across the league. That is the first night. So there was uh, each team playing. Five or so exhibition games, some against uh, teams from the SJ. We saw Bonneville taking on uh, the defending uh, Saskatchewan League champion, Battleford North Stars. Uh, the Crusaders kept it within the AJHL, but yeah, Friday is the big day.
1: All right. Uh, and Brooks, won,
0: did, did Brooks win the national title last year? They sure did at home. An incredible experience for anyone involved. I had the pleasure of talking to Tyler King, who's a uh, uh, marketing minds and the uh, play-by-play boys a little earlier on um, an addition of boilers now and not just meant everything to that team and that community and Reed I think they lost two games in the regular season all year it was just an unbelievable feat they accomplished
1: yeah and I think didn't they lose their first game of the year ten three or something like that they got they got blown out there uh, who's going to be good in the north this
3: year
0: well uh, and look no further than the Edmonton area teams the Sherwood Park Crusaders uh, they're Everything that they've built towards with their young players is, is geared towards this year. So I'm talking about Michael Benning and Savoy, whose names the listeners might be familiar with at this point. Uh, they just spent time with the team HAHL over in, uh, in Sochi, Russia, representing Canada at the Junior Club World Championship. Uh, and and they, fared, they fared quite well. They went all the way to the finals. So I expect them to be a big part of a, a potential repeat in the North Division for the Crusaders. But the Spruce Grove Saints are going to have something to say about that. They've got an excellent goaltender in Matthew Davis out of Calgary who uh, really was driving that team last year when the offense wasn't necessarily there. Uh, Quite a few players looking like Cam Mitchell, Jordan Biro. Those are some guys that are a year older, a year wiser. They're already college commits, um, and and they're going to be a big part of that too. You can never rule out a team like the Bonnie Bill Pontiacs. And uh, they, they keep finding ways to recruit from out of province and their team moving forward here with, uh, with guys like Jeremy Gervais out of Prince George, uh, Mark antoine Benoit out of uh, Drummondville will be a 20-year-old this year. So those are the three teams that were really duking it out at the top last year, and I expect much of the same this year.
1: All right, and in your other capacity as our Eskimo sideline reporter. And uh, I, I know it, I think it was Farhan Lalji put out today that it, uh, it could be more week-to-week for Trevor Harris than day-to-day. Not surprised to hear that. And uh, I know we've been uh, speculating a lot, and Blake Dermott commented the other night that this may have been something that was bugging Trevor Harris for the previous two or three games. It didn't just flare up in the, the loss to Calgary on uh, on Saturday. You're down there on the sideline uh, right by the bench. I mean, is it a... And I know that I think there were a couple of teammates going at each other. Like, is it a tense sideline? Is it a demoralized uh, sideline. I know know you're not right in there, but in game, uh, what sense have you gotten? Because now they've lost two in a row at home, three in a
0: row overall. I don't see a lot of the infighting. I don't get that tense atmosphere when you're right down there. But of course, you've got a head coach in Jason Moss, who is a very fiery guy. So I think what happens is, and we've seen this at home a couple of times, when the game starts to slip away, then the, there's a couple of culprits, and I'm not going to name them, but it seems to be repeat offenders, and the other guys seem to get frustrated. So that's when the infighting and the, the tempers are boiling over on the sidelines. It's not a good look. I think it's something that Jason Moss does need to be more on top of because, I mean, it's not as if that happens and then they go out there fired up and turn the game around. It's it just, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So is it overly, um, you know, tense all the time? Absolutely not. But it's when things start to go wrong that they don't have a lot of of backbone when it comes to, to being able to fend off that kind of adversity.
1: Yeah, then they fall behind. The games just tend to, to slowly slip away. That's that, that's what we've seen. You know, three points down turns into six, turns into 13, and then, you know, you're losing by 15 or 20 like we've seen. Hopefully they can recover uh, on the bye. We could see Logan Kilgore as the quarterback next Friday when they take on Hamilton. Brendan, it is always a pleasure to have you on this show. We will do it many more times. Thanks for making time for me tonight. Appreciate the time. Reed. Take care. Brendan Escott, producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. That wonderful program is on from noon to two every day. Still 8-0 for the Blue Jays. They're leading the Red Sox in the 7th. We're back after the break.
0: You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
1: Good to have Brendan Escott on the show. Jared says, uh, hey, Reed, you can't argue with any of Brendan's logic. Can you give us his projected roster? Here it is. McDavid between Dreisaitl and Cassian. Nugent Hopkins between Nygaard and Neal. Sheehan between Kara and Chason. Haas centering Granlund and Gagne. Archibald and Gambardella as the 13th and 14th forwards on defense. Clefbaum with Joel Pearson, Nurse with Larson, Russell with Benning, and William Lagason as your seventh defenseman. That is Brendan Escotts, as he calls it, way too early, Oilers roster projection that he uh, put out on Twitter today. You can text us at 630 30. Another individual simply says regarding the Eskimos, Money Hunter needs to get released. Uh, Money Hunter has uh, had some good moments with the Eskimos. He has had far too many moments where he has uh, had a bit of a bonehead play, bonehead penalty, and uh, yes, he... uh there's something there uh, as an athlete, as a defensive back, but he's he's made too many big mistakes this season. So we'll see what happens with him as uh, we move along. I mentioned the full Ken Hall and media availability is on 630 chetcom uh, I asked him what he thought of the two rookie games the team
2: played. Oh, well, both games were close. Uh, Goaltending obviously was. Uh, all three guys played uh, excellent uh, in in the games. Um, Obviously, like to score some goals. Um, I thought some players played uh, pretty well and, and others didn't play as, as well as we had hoped or expected. But, you know, it's still a long way to go. There's three weeks to go. Obviously, some of those players that played in that game are players that we want to see play in the, um, in, the in the NHL preseason games. I think we're going to cut uh, two or three kids here. We were talking, uh, uh, Tip and, and uh, Keith Gretzky, and myself, most of them, through the weekend. I know uh, we're going to make some probably moves on Sunday or Monday as we get into uh, preseason games. Uh, I think it's I think it's, you know, for some young players, it's valuable to be around the NHL players, uh, get some experience, even if they don't play NHL games, just to, to get the feel of pace for three or four days before they go back to uh, to junior hockey. So that's what we'll do.
1: And the Oilers announced this afternoon they have uh, released these six players, Jackson Bellamy, Ethan Cap, Brendan Jajong, Stephen Yacobelis, Liam Keller, and Jacob Stukel. Jong, Yacobelis, and Stuko will attend Bakersfield Condors training camp. 8-0 Blue Jays leading Boston, bottom of the seventh, back after the news.
0: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630
1: Chad. All right, the big uh, Wild Rose Cup, FC Edmonton against Calvary FC. FC Edmonton on the board. Nick Ledgerwood scoring in the 27th minute. Now into the 33rd minute. FC Edmonton leading that one, one nil. Uh, man, they got a. They're they're six points out of first in the fall fall season. They got to get first to get into the uh, championship series against Calvary FC. Calvary FC won a game eight nil a couple of weeks ago. They're a good team. They've uh, they've beaten teams at higher levels this season. Pretty good squad. But FC Edmonton has the lead tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. More on the Oilers on 630ched.com. Uh, everything from Ken Holland is there. He held the media scrum today after the Oilers media golf tournament. Uh, and he did say Connor McDavid at most will play in one game in the preseason, very likely none, as he gets over the PCL tear suffered in the final game of uh, last year's regular season. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630 630. Our phone number is 7804960063. We will have. We will have a live hockey broadcast on this program. Well, not on this program. On this station. I'm I'm getting all flustered because I really like our next guest. I get nervous around him. Uh, Monday, 5.30, Face Off Show, Game at 7. Oilers will host the Winnipeg Jets. I'm pleased to welcome communications and marketing guru from Canada
3: West Conference, the one and only Evan Dom, back into the studio. Hey, Evan. Reed, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'll tell you one thing. So... For uh, we don't have to jump in this right away, but I'm going to. Sure, my new dad, six months in. Congratulations! So now, a crazy night for me He's going to wash the car, getting a bottle of water at Circle K, and coming on inside sports. Doesn't get any better than that for me, Reed. That does sound pretty exciting. This so it went from just you know, before I was a dad, it was just a good night. Now this is like the top night of the week. This by is a far. huge outing for it's you. Huge. you. It's huge. You get big. to be out of the house for about an hour. It's massive. For about yeah. an hour. So let's make this good radio or so else. So you it's want a waste. me to invite you on
1: the show as much as possible. I'm <laughs> not saying that, but I'd appreciate it. Is your wife listening? Probably not. No, she's probably she's not. She's not a big inside sports fan. No, she's more into outside sports. <laughs> yes, that's true. If I, if we ever change the name <laughs> of the show, she might tune in. The Blue Jays lead Boston eight nothing in the eighth, uh, obviously, uh little too late for the Jays to get something going. I did see, well, in the season, they're doing good tonight. I I did see that on Friday the 13th, that's in two days, they host the Yankees. It is zombie night at Rogers Centre, and they will have bobblehead zombies. Now, why can't Canada West do more promotions like that?
3: Yeah, we're working on the whole zombie thing. We're trying to get all 17 members on board and have a, a unified zombie night basketball night, maybe one Friday in uh, in January. But that's I think a that's lot of heavy lifting. Idea. Yeah.
1: I think it's a great idea. You can encourage students to dress as zombies. I will say this, evidence makes more sense perhaps around Halloween rather than in January. Well, I mean... Just a personal opinion.
3: You know, I mean, people are kind of the walking dead after the holidays, right? So <laughs> well, their finances weird. are tapped out. Their waistlines you know, have how expanded. Much, how much leeway to
1: Canada West schools and youth sports schools in general Get to do if they want to do a goofy or a cheeky promotion. They, and the don't think the U of A does a lot like that, do they? Where they say, like, if you dress as your favorite character from the office, you get in for half price or whatever. I mean, they can basically do whatever they want. No, right. the Canada West doesn't we don't have to do, rubber stamp it. No,
3: we don't rubber stamp anything. <laughs> no, I mean, they can do whatever, that's whatever they all want. Canada it's, West it's like. Does. <laughs> Personally, we just have a giant rubber like, stamp. If, if I applied to
1: get my fictional university into Canada West basketball, I think I think they would let me.
3: Well, I can't comment on that. Reece. I know you can't comment. If on you're that. an accredited institution, you could apply though.
1: True. So if you're a Canada West school, and I want to do, uh, you know, uh, monocle night, pitchfork night, pitchfork. Okay, night. monocle, monocle and pitchfork night. Yeah, you can do it.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's a good idea, actually. As long as... as... (laughs) The monocle's an underused piece of eyewear. It is
3: an underused piece of eyewear. (laughs) All right. Well, that's... uh, How many teams we got now? You said 17 in Canada West? Yeah. That's not every sport, though. No, no, no. Just in basketball Uh, is the only sport where all 17 members play. And hockey's expanding to 10? Yeah, we go to
1: 10 next season. And
3: Western And McEwen join the fray. But they're already in Canada West?
1: Yes. Yep, they are. Yep. Now, how... What was the process for expanding... I mean, these teams. Did Trinity Western have a hockey team at all?
3: Trinity Western did have an existing men's hockey team. They've added women's hockey te- uh, program in the last couple of seasons here. So they, the men's program, compete in the BCIHL, which is uh, you know the equivalent essentially of the ACAC, where they're playing against Simon Fraser. They're playing against some other. Um, colleges, universities in in British Columbia, and I believe Eastern Washington was in that league. But anyways, okay. so that's what they were playing. Um, they've added their women's program, and their women's program is playing basically at the highest uh, senior club level for uh, you know non junior. And McEwen's been playing in the ACAC. McEwen's been
1: playing very well in the ACAC. Right, right. They've been they've been a really good school there. So, but okay, So, what, what nails it down though? Where Canada West says we're gonna allow you to come into this competition? Like, is it because they've been successful? Because they added women's teams, they just kept applying. Like, well, well there's finally- a mor- There was
3: a moratorium on new Canada West members and existing members adding sports and that moratorium was opened by the membership and then obviously they solicited if there's interest from existing programs to add new teams existing members I should say to add new programs Um, Trinity Western and and McEwen um, had interest in hockey right away Fraser Valley's also added uh, volleyball too so there's Mm -hmm. an additional program coming in too so uh, they applied the application process was quite you know quite thorough uh, a review of basically everything top-down what the program finances facility uh, commitment from the university Uh, they presented to our membership back in February of this year they had an opportunity to adjust their application Uh, they made their final presentation at our AGM in May uh, at which point the members in those sports voted um, and they were were accepted based on uh, their applications okay
1: all right. I'm just wondering how this will affect Canada West hockey, because the U of A Golden Bears are pretty good. They're excellent. the f- Huskies they've had a few good years, uh, yeah. win a lot, and there's usually some teams that kind of cycle through those three through five spots. Yep. Yeah. So I, I would be I would be worried that that these are two other schools that the U of A and and the U of S could could beat six one anytime they play them, and it might take away from them playing each other a little bit more or alberta playing calgary things like that
3: well i think it depends on the the commitments of the programs coming in and and i think both trinity western and McEwen are very committed to having competitive and successful programs Um, and quite frankly i think probably the best example and the best case study would be a a school like mount royal when they came in from the acac they're a very good acac program they've added Men's and women's hockey at the Canada West level, and they've been—they've
1: been actually very good.
3: competitive. They've been um, as high as third, right? Yeah, they've been—they've had a very good run, and they've—they've they've made a commitment to hockey at that school, and they've shown that you can have some success if—if if you're committed to—to to excellence. And I think Trinity Western and McEwen are both committed in hockey to—to to have very good programs. I mean, you know, their strengths and weaknesses for different schools and different programs, and how you sell yourself, and that's all part of recruiting. But legitimately both those teams are going to come in, and I think, have, have a chance uh in, in one or two seasons to to be in the playoff mix and maybe win a playoff round.
1: All right. Well I, I, I hope so. I hope they're they're competitive. I mean you want uh I mean, hey, obviously I'm biased, I want the U of A to win, but you want exciting games. And I you know, I think fans go to Claire Drake uh not just hoping for a win, expecting a win. And we know in university sports there's tears, there's ups and downs. Um but You know, I I know people who go and they say, well, you know what, I'm going to go to the Calgary or Saskatchewan weekend because I saw they beat Lethbridge pretty bad first half of the season, so I'm not going to go, right?
3: Well, from a marketing standpoint, having McEwen join the conference is, I think, going to be excellent because we've seen what Mount Royal's done in Calgary with the Dinos when they have the Crowchild Classic and they get 12,000 people in the Saddle Dome, and who knows what the rivalry between McEwen and Alberta can be in both men's and women's hockey in this city. Okay. I, I think it's going to be a good opportunity to generate some buzz those weekends. I, I, honestly, I think on on the Bears and the Pandas schedules, it's one more weekend where people are going to be interested than before, quite frankly. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's going to be good from that standpoint.
1: And, uh, I, I mean, obviously you can hear my skepticism. And you know especially, sure, you Reed, know I, especially how I feel about the 17 basketball teams. But anyway... Uh, But I I guess the counter to that, I'll I'll counter my own argument. I mean, Trinity Western was once a totally new school. What, 20 years ago? Have they been in that long? Not even?
3: They came in the late 90s. And they've been, what, very good in volleyball, and is it soccer? Very good in volleyball, soccer. They've had stretches outside of some lean years in basketball. They've been competitive and and excellent in, in all their programs. You know, cross country, track and field, volleyball, soccer. Volleyball and soccer are their two premier sports. I mean, they have a chance to win Canada West every single season. But that's an institution that made the decision to make the jump to Canada West and decided we want to be the best. Mm-hmm. We want to invest in excellence. And they've done that. And they've gotten championships as a result of that. So, and, and I mean, it, it's not easy. And, and you put it that way. It's like, well, anybody can commit to excellence and have a good, good run. But it takes a total institutional commitment to have an excellent athletic department.
1: All right. Evan Dom joining us from the uh, Canada West Communications and Marketing Department. He's based here in Edmonton. We had Chris Morris on the show last night, actually, U of A football coach. They are one and one. Uh, They lost by 10 to Calgary, though Calgary got a touchdown on a pick six on the last play of the game uh, to win by 10 and uh, they were trailing Regina most of the game and pulled out a one-point win in the fourth quarter. They blocked a field goal, and then Regina missed a field goal with 20 seconds left. It's it's early, uh, but the Bears look pretty competitive. You hope this doesn't turn into another low-win season for them. How how how
3: tight do you see it? Well, the conference is incredibly tight right now. I mean, we have four teams at 1-1. One one. UBC's 0-2, and, and Calgary's 2-0. So in terms of parity, it's certainly there. And UBC is usually good, correct? Yeah, they're struggling this season. Okay. I mean, they've, they've lost some key pieces. Michael O'Connor's in Toronto with the Argonauts right now. Um, and they have a, a new quarterback in there in Yanchuk, Chuck, uh, who came from the junior ranks. But in terms of the one thing Chris said last night that stood out to me, and I thought it was, it was spot on with what has gone wrong for this program over the last many years, every time there was a key play, it didn't go their way. And last last week against Regina, the key plays went their way for yep. once, yep, and, that's, and that's the. I mean, you can. It, it's it's oversimplifying things to say that it boils down to three or four plays in a football game, but. Occasionally it does. And that Regina game, it did. I mean, there was a couple of interceptions at points that, that really saved the Bears. Obviously, the block field goal, you get one of those, maybe one, one a year, every other year. And then the missed field goal late in the game. So they've been starting to get the breaks, and they've been earning those breaks. And the thing for the Bears that really, I think, set the tone for the season, and you can't say, well, they lost, but that was a tone setting loss if if there ever was you one against what? calgary You're right because in the past if they're down 30 to 13 at calgary at the half they lose 65-20 it's happened and sometimes that's the other team just putting their foot down on the pedal and sometimes it was them just deciding that they weren't in the game um and their mentality seems to be a little bit different early on the next 3 weeks are absolutely massive. They have two home games. They have Manitoba this Friday. They have Saskatchewan the following week. And then they play UBC, who at best is going to be, uh, you know, they're they're 0-2 to start the season here, and they have a tough one against Calgary. So they're going to be in, a, in likely a tough spot in a couple of weeks' time. So three weeks are, are going to go a long way to determining uh, what this season is going to be like for the Bears.
1: Well, it's fun to watch. And, 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 you know, as much as people, well, they're 0-8 every year, they've had all these bad games. By the way, I don't know what is going on here, but... According to FC Edmonton's Twitter account, FC Edmonton was up one nil, then Calgary was up one nil, and now it's nil nil. So I just went to the league website and it says Calgary is up one nil. <laughs> it, it said anyway. It's, it's Calgary's up one nil.
3: I'd say I'd never seen that before, Reed, but I'm sure there's been a few times that well, it- and I'm Canada the guy, West has tweeted like that, and
1: I, I'm, I'm the guy who last summer gave out a in progress score for a Blue Jays game being shown on tape delay that was on that afternoon. So it was just we've all been there. Just am just correcting. I, I got to try to keep it as accurately uh, as close as I want. Evan Dom is in studio. We're back after the break. <laughs>
3: this is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on
0: 630
1: Shed By week for the Eskimos, training camp starts tomorrow for the Edmonton Oilers, they will have 54 players in camp medicals and physicals tomorrow and then two on ice sessions on Friday, one at 9.30 in the morning and the other one at noon preseason game on Monday against the Winnipeg Jets we'll have it for you on 630 Shed uh, Evan Dom in studio, communications and marketing for Canada West, what's your title again?
3: Associate Director Communications and Marketing. It's too long. I'm just saying Communications and Marketing. Just call me uh, that Canada West guy.
1: Well, that's a little dismissive. Well. Though to you, I might
3: do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's great to see you. You've been able to golf?
3: Uh, I've played a decent amount this summer, actually. It's been good. I'm uh, able to sneak out in the mornings uh, down in Devon there at 7 a.m. Good. And right. off the at about 9.05. after? After usually, okay,
1: so some child care and then you go golf,
3: yeah, usually. So it's been good that way, and uh, played a couple other places uh, this summer as well, which has been nice. Probably well, we went to of I
1: don't think we've had you on since we went to
3: Athabasca. no, Athabasca was good, and for people who haven't been up there, I think it's you know, it's worth a drive, particularly if you're on the north side or out in the St. Albert area because it's not that far once you're up there. But uh, very scenic, lots of trees, obviously, tight in the river valley, um, some good views. It was in excellent condition. It's a tough track, yeah, it was. I mean, I'm bad but it was hard it's a tough it's a tough course I mean, it,
1: we, it, we, it was a very overcast day I mean I'd love to see it in the sunshine yeah yeah I mean it's, it's definitely worthwhile I, w- I would make the trip you know where else we have to go maybe you've gone and and in my foursome today I was with uh with uh, Ken Holland uh, Ryan Frankson who's now running on the Oilers website and Jason Greger was with us as well and Jason was saying he uh, played Innisfail this summer
3: he I haven't played Innisfail it, but, but I've, I've heard, heard nothing tons. nothing but good things yeah about I've heard a ton of great things about Innisfail um Honestly, I think it's one of the best courses in Central Alberta, from what I've heard from people. Very yeah. underrated too. Like, I played Wolf Creek uh, this summer, the old course, and I love that course. Um, and I hear people say all the time, "Well, you got to play Innisfail. So it's on the list for sure. It's a long list though, so it's hard to get well, to all of them the in thing. one summer. It's
1: hard to golf everywhere we'd like to golf. Augusta National. Yeah, Pebble
3: Beach was also on the list, but that didn't uh, end up happening. But you go- Where did you golf down there? Tory Pines. Pines, yeah, I played Pines, ago, Pines right? twice, yeah. But th- that's public, right? Yeah, it's a public course. And it's Pe-
1: is Pebble Beach semi?
3: I think public. I think it's or private. Semi public yeah.
1: or it's totally private? I
3: think so. Okay, well we'll, we'll work on getting on there. Yeah, you maybe must know somebody down there. You're a uh, big radio guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll we'll just uh, text the. chorus has a station down there. Well, we think?
1: must have a station down
3: there. You would think so. Yeah, it's sure, a huge we, empire. I'm
1: not sure, we do. Uh, your dog's named Gainer. He is, yeah. So that tells you what football team you cheer for. I mean, okay, here's here. I'll be the total negative Nancy.
3: Sure. Is this just? Go for it, Reed. Is
1: this just Edmonton and Saskatchewan waiting to get eliminated by Calgary and Winnipeg in the end?
3: Oh, I don't think so, Reed. I mean, Saskatchewan was absolutely horrendous in that in the Banjo Bowl. Sure. I think they're still a legitimate contender. I think they have an opportunity. Um, I mean, it's hard to judge them based on that last Winnipeg game for a whole host of reasons. I mean, they got smoked, but Winnipeg also doesn't have their big guns. So is Winnipeg that much better? I mean, they beat them the week prior on the last second field goal. So I think, personally, I think the three best teams in the CFL are the the top three in the West. Montreal, I think, is probably four. They're an interesting team to watch, eh? Yeah, very interesting. Montreal
1: ahead of Hamilton?
3: Yep. Without Mazzoli. They've still won games with Dane Evans. I don't think so. I, I don't think that's going to happen when they get down to the stretch here. I think it's going to be Montreal oh, is going to emerge. Yeah, Okay. I really do.
1: Well, I'll write that down. You've, you've been right about other things before. Um,
3: here's here's one. It's <laughs> going to be Montreal over Edmonton in the uh, East final.
1: But then Montreal would have to win enough games to pass Hamilton, right, to get first. They're they're like three games behind. That's really bold. I
3: I've,
1: I I so think Montreal say, is so that, then you say Edmonton finishes fourth. I think that's Hamilton. a
3: guarantee. I think that's a guarantee.
1: P- probably the Eskimos are going to finish fourth, and they should get the crossover. I mean, they're three wins ahead of Ottawa with six games to go. So and you beat Ottawa.
3: Yeah, I mean we don't want
1: to get too cocky because the Eskimos haven't looked good, but I don't think they're going to lose. their they're all their. No, I games. don't think
3: so. I think they're number four for sure. They're uh, in that crossover game.
1: That's 100%. pretty bold. I mean, Ham- Hamilton's nine and two. Montreal's six and four. So game in hand for Montreal, I I can't remember how many times they still play Hamilton. I think at least once. Well, that's bold. That uh, that is really bold. Here's what I think. I think Winnipeg has the best team. Yes, they do, for sure. Calgary has the best player and the best and and the the best composure when it comes to those moments. You
3: know, in terms of who should be in the Grey Cup, it should be Hamilton versus Calgary and Calgary or Winnipeg. That's what the matchup should be today. But so much changes over the last you know a couple of weeks of the season let alone what we have left that it's i mean it's 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 always topsy-turvy when you get into october
1: all right more canada west football on friday when does the hockey regular season start uh the last weekend of september evan dom thank you for coming in anytime reed Evan Dom, Communications and Marketing for the Canada West Conference. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio operator. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Here, all Ken Holland said today on 630Ched.com. Training camp for the Oilers starts tomorrow. Bob Stoffer will have more from noon to two. I'm back from six to eight with Inside Sports. Really appreciate that you tuned in tonight.